we are so glad that you uh, joined us today. Welcome back to the chapel. I hope you've uh, been able to shake a few hands, greet a few people. Uh, we here at the chapel like to be friendly. We like to be kind. And so uh, we like to give you opportunity to do that. Well, today is an exciting day. And uh, this is your first time here. I am not the senior pastor. I'm actually the children's pastor. Um, and no, y'all are not children. But I am here because uh, our pastors had the great opportunity. Some of you don't know, this was their 25th year here at the chapel. And part of that anniversary, they, if, you don't, if you've been around here a while, they've had this dream vacation that they've been dreaming about for years uh, to go on a European cruise. And uh, one of the things is the church even helped them kick it in their savings to be able to send them on that cruise this year. So they're not even in the country. So we are happy for them, excited for them that, you know, that they, uh, Pastor and Gwen, get a chance to uh, experience something that's kind of been their dream for a while. We've been able to be a part of that as a church to bless them and honor them because uh, we do appreciate our pastors a lot. And so we are very grateful uh, that they have that opportunity. So uh, today we have a very special guest. He is a good friend of pastors, Pastor Neil Broom. And let me, as I introduce tell you how small our world is. Is it okay if I share this? Um, many of y'all know Miss Betty Seabolt here. Betty Seabolt actually used to, if you understand, used to babysit him when he was just, uh, not going to say how old they were, put that together, but used to babysit Neil, and they just ran into each other today, not even knowing it. It's kind of a, a small world, so that's pretty exciting, but uh, Neil has... But Pastor Neil has uh, been a part of church planting. He's been a part of, you know, uh, pastoring at a church. And uh, he's a good friend of our pastors. And he, Pastor said that he's just one of those guys that makes you feel good. And so I'm excited to hear the uh, message that he has uh, prepared this morning. And so, Pastor, won't you come? And we appreciate and give him a welcome here today. All right. Thanks so much. And, uh, it's great to be here, and I'm, my wife Carol is with us, and next to her is Savannah, and next to her, that's not there now, he, Kellen, he's, oh yeah, he's getting coffee so he can stay awake while I tell. And uh, Kellen was our youth pastor, they were our children's pastor, sorry, in Garden City, where I was for 14 years. So now they're on staff at Gateway, they had a weekend off, and they live two miles from here. Saw that I was going to be here, so it's great having them too, and it's just pretty cool. So uh, today, I, and I, you know, Pastor John and Gwen, we went to college together, so I don't know if you've heard every war story he's ever told. So uh, what, a, what a heart of gold. Uh, he's, he's a solid guy. I, I love being around him, and uh, you're, you're blessed to have a pastor like him. I, I can just tell you that. He's solid. And uh, I, I, I just told him, I said, John, I can't tell you what an honor it is to that you would ask me to speak in your church, and um, it's it's just it's just a blessing. And so today I'm going to be reading in Ephesians chapter two, and in Genesis chapter twenty four, if you want to turn there. But I'm going to talk about uh, a new and unusual assignment that I believe that is for this church. I was, I was praying for this church. I caught a little glimpse of a picture of a. A woman, she was young, she was uh, cleaning dishes, or had cleaned the dishes, I saw her at the counter with a, a dish towel and just touching up, and she just couldn't clean it enough. I mean, she was done, it was obvious she was done, but uh, when she kind of stepped back, I noticed she was pregnant. She was uh, pregnant and, and, and worrying, uh, trying to clean up, in a way, it's like I can't do anything about everything that's happening, so I'm going to just try to clean up more. Some of y'all might have that challenge in your life. So you're going to do this because you can't do that. You can't fix that, so you're going to do something here. And uh, so y'all just listen to this statement. I believe that's this church. And I believe that it's God is... This church is pregnant, and there's a birthing process that God wants to take it through for His glory, but there's this nervousness 
Um, so th this has two parts in that response. One is, is uh, don't, be, don't get busier doing things that's not going to rest. Because you know why this church is pregnant, don't you? <laughs> you know who the father is. And he's not an absent father. And he's not an absent husband. But somehow we, we can get in the tendency of trying to fix it. We, we got we to gotta fix this thing. And uh, my, my third daughter is having her second child here maybe today. Who knows? We're, we're going to take a beeline to Austin if that's the case. And uh, she's, she's at Walmart at 8 o'clock this morning, right? She's trying to fix it. She's, it's not, it's, it goes beyond nesting. It's going, I'm nervous, and things are not going to be done right, so i got to get it done right now. And There's a busyness that can take place when you can't really fix things. And Here's what I felt like the Lord needs. You guys rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Stop. You, you can't fix this because God's going to bring this. And you can celebrate in it. You can be a part of what God is doing and say, isn't our God good? Uh, and you'll have a celebration story to talk about. But you know this is for y'all. This, this is y'all's. This is your DNA. This is who it's going to be part of the chapel of what God is doing. And, and, and let me just say this. I know about what's going on down there. John, walk me through all that. But let me just tell you, at the end of this building is a little picnic area. And, and there's a little fence around it. I don't know what you call that. Maybe the picnic area, playground. I'm talking about what's happening on this side. Okay. He, I feel like the Lord just said, make it clear they understand I'm addressing this side of the fence. So some of you have uh, served a long time. I can tell when I go into a church when there's been maturity and depth there that's just not so you can know more it's so you can actually do more and and so you're versatile in the kingdom of god you can't fix this god can and he's going to walk in this y'all whatever god is doing i i can tell when a church is going through struggles and pain and sorrow and challenges and i'm seeing a church that's about to give birth and so, if you're a visitor today, that's all Christian lingo I just went over. And uh, there's, there's an experience that you have in the kingdom of God that uh, He drops things in your heart and in your life. And so, as, as I get into this message, I'm going to be reading a lot of Scripture, and I feel like it's important. But I want you to take it to heart as we get through this. Um, uh, I'll start by just talking about Wanda Dench, who is a lady in... Mesa, Arizona, who was a grandmother who was excited and Thanksgiving's coming up and she's all excited about getting all the family together and she's sending out text messages, everybody come to my house, I'm going to cook this huge feast and she did it every year and she was getting on a roll and she text messaged everyone, sent it out and immediately she got a text back and said, who is this? And she goes, she texts back, I'm your grandmother. And so the text said, can you send me a picture? So she takes a picture of herself smiling and sends it. And the text comes back and says, you're, you're not my grandmother. And he wrote, my name's Jamal. And he sends his picture. And then a few minutes later, he sends another text. And he says, but can I come and? Can I come? Would you have a plate for me? And she goes, absolutely, I'm a grandmother. <laughs> and so he came to Thanksgiving with her. They were nervous, didn't know how to, you know, how to, what, what's this guy going to be like? What's he going to do? And Jamal not only came to Thanksgiving that year, he came to Thanksgiving the next year bringing his girlfriend because he wanted to introduce him to his new grandmother. There's nothing worse in our lives to be in a conversation and think that you were invited to something you wasn't invited to 
and you go and find out your name's not on the list because you wasn't invited. And here's the thing I've, I've learned that's common about all of us. We have this incredible, wonderful blessing to have a seat at the table of God. And an open invitation to everyone to be a part of it. And, and, and what was common about Wanda and Jamal's experience was there was someone hungry and there was someone who delighted in creating a feast. And that's the body of Christ. The experience is that we don't come to eat. I enjoyed this morning the manna of God that we're not taking all the bread, we're providing the bread. We're saying, how else can we help someone know Christ? What's the challenge is, this, do you know how we do church sometimes makes a decision who goes to heaven and who doesn't go to heaven? It's not the person looking sometimes, it's the person having that can separate or create the difference and in this scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, and I love this, I, I, the picture I get is God is absolutely in love with us. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he just, he's just going, I, I, I want to give you this. It says this, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And your season, many of you seasoned Christians, you know, this is one of our stable staples of Christianity is the love of God and what He's done on our behalf and the transgressions that we have lived in. Not just the sins we've had, but we were born into sin and God looked at us and loved us and was desperate in a sense toward us in His mercy and His love. And here He is. He made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. We should have stunk like old manna. <laughs> but... To him, he made us alive in Christ. And then he goes on, is by grace you have been saved. Then, he says in verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ. It's, this is a great picture. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, let me ask you the question. When were we seated with him? When he made us alive in him. We didn't go to heaven right away, but somehow we are in the heavenly realm seated. And where are we seated? And I believe it's not at the table of eating, but the table of assignment. And the assignment is coming to us in a heavenly way in that God is, you know, one of the questions is, if we have a heavenly seat, then why do we have an earthly you know, presence here? And it's because we're getting assignment from the Lord to be able to activate and be used of God to create a table for people to come to. That we would be on a constant, you know, you don't realize society's changing. It's crazy. It's changing so fast. And you need the Spirit of God to help you stay in step with the challenges and the changes that's going on. You cannot do church like you used to do church. You just can't. And the innovation of the Holy Spirit is so incredible. If you can tap in on what God said is going on, it will make a change and touch people that would never, ever step in the doorway of a church. There's something that God wants to do in you, and He's doing, actually, I think He's talking to you. We just don't know it. We're on third base, and the coach is giving us signals. And we're going, what are you saying? And, and I think he's given us the signals. We're just having to learn to read the signals. And so he's calling us home. He's calling, you know, that, that means run, you know, whatever. And you're going, do I do this? Do I not? You know, and, you know, they're throwing the ball all over the field, and you're just trying to go, where am I supposed to be, God? What are you wanting to do here? I think he's constantly talking. It's just where we're, and, and I think we desperately want to listen and hear, but we're not constantly in the mode of knowing how he's speaking. So look, look what it says in the message, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. It says, he did all this on his own without our, no help, with no help from us. Then he picked us up and sat us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. And we're right there with Christ. We're, we're, we're in the heavenly realm, but what? Uh, what a wonderful and powerful opportunity to those who've come to know Christ to know that there is this heavenly reality and God has planted us here 
on this earth to respond to that and what God wants to do in our life. And this reality is one that should grab our hearts and say, God, do something in me. So here's, here's a statement. If we're seated with Christ in heavenly realms, then what are we doing here on this earthly realm? How are we responding to that? How are we activating? How are we getting involved in that? And I think you're probably smart enough to know that. Matter of fact, I did a study. I dug up everything I could on this area, this community. Carol and I were in, in Garden City, Kansas for 14 years. And uh, it, we, we were, if you were white, you were in the minority there of 30,000 people. That It was kind of a switch to be in that kind of environment. And to be in that kind of environment and realize how do you bring people to Christ that's, that's not in your circle and not in your experience and not in any aspect of it. 3,000 cows a day were slaughtered there. And the town smelled like the cows got really scared before that happened. I mean, <clears throat> it, was, it was amazing there. Uh, I, I cleaned my shoes about every day for three weeks realizing it wasn't on my shoes. But uh, it it was the world's largest beef packing company. And and one Sunday, I'm talking, I'm I'm speaking, and and I said, how many works at Tyson? Raise your hand. And not one person raised their hand in our church. It's it's the largest employer of all of western Kansas. Uh, 3,000, 2,000 or 3,000 people worked there. I can't remember. 3,000 people worked there. Not one went to our church. And what came out of my mouth, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't that smart to think that, but what came out of my mouth is, what's wrong with us? Because something was absolutely wrong with us. Why didn't those people feel welcome to our church? What was keeping them away from our church? Why, why wouldn't, why haven't they found our church? Just one out of 3,000. That's 10% of the city. And not one was in our church. I kind of got mad. It's like, how did that happen? So we started responding, going, God, this is a whole society in one sense that possibly don't even know you. So we started digging and investigating. It's unlike here. Do you know uh, 96% of everyone in this community will graduate from high school, which is typically not your standard. It's not what's normal in most cities. This is a, this is a pretty educated, 57% of all adults 25 or older have a bachelor's degree in this area. It's unlike most things. It's, do you know of the 14,000 homes that are in this area around this church? 11,000 and plus are from a husband, wife, marriage, together it's a very stable home this is also the the biggest population in this whole area is uh kids ages 6 to to 12 years old or 16 years old 14 years old 6 to 14 years old i mean there's it's like okay i'm giving you some information is your brain is anybody's brain going off going hey maybe we should tap in on something here you know what the other large number is? Is men between ages 45 to 54. Hmm. You know, just knowing a little thing, a few things like that is going, wow, that's your Tyson. That, it's real possible. It's like, if I was mosquito, that's a blood clot. <laughs> I was going, take all the fluff. Go for it. I wonder what God's got for you. I wonder what He's doing right now in you, and you're just going, wow, I, I, I didn't know we had a gold mine here. And, and again, I apologize. If you're new to Christ or new to church, um, you're welcome to be here, and if I'm not talking to you, I will here in a minute. <laughs> but I want you to feel welcome because... Sometimes the body of Christ needs to be reminded why we're the body of Christ. And how we engage in that, how we dig deeper in what we do. God's table is not limited by sex, race, or age. They're limited, in most cases, 
by people who don't know how to invite and bring them to the table. We just don't know how to get. Does our food taste bad? <laughs> our chairs uncovered? What, what's the deal? God, what, what is going on? God, what are you wanting to say? What are you wanting to do? I pastored a church. I started a church in Ferris, Carol and I. Ferris, Texas, south of Dallas in 1990. And it was a little town, 2,700 people uh, was there. And we, I knocked on every door and we did everything we could to get people to church. And we gathered a pretty good group together. And, and then we, uh, but we kind of liked each other too much to let anybody else in. You know, we liked so much, each other so much that you, you know, you wouldn't, we didn't know how to make you feel comfortable because we felt uncomfortable that you were there. <laughs> And it wasn't intentional, it was just how we grew. We grew into each other and not, we didn't know how to do it. And I go, God, we got to bust this up. We got to do something about this. So I came up with this brilliant idea. And I said, in a few weeks, we're going to dismiss church, and I want you all to go to another church, and I want you to know what it's like to feel like a visitor. I want you to feel like what it's like to go to a church. You don't know anybody, you don't know anything, you walk in. And Carol and I had heard of this church. It's supposed to be a really great church. And I said, let's go to that church. So that Sunday came, everybody dispersed. Carol and I went through this church and we went to the, about the middle of it and we're standing there during song service. Similar to what y'all did, kind of had a halftime thing. And we're thinking, okay, this is when we meet people. And we're standing there and people were just, right when I'd take my hand out, they would turn and, Talk to someone else, and I'm, I'm like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you know, I look like a fish. And, and I was standing there, and I thought, this is, this is more than awkward. This is, and, and, and then I'm thinking, these people have no idea. That they, they have no idea this is like this for a guest. So I'm standing there, and finally a guy about four rows up turns around and goes, hey. I'm going, yay! And he walks right up. Uh, we were right off the, up the aisle. He walks right up the aisle, and I stick my hand out. He goes, oh, no, no. And he shakes the guy behind me. He puts his hand through there and shakes the guy. And then I'm like kind of waiting for, you know, a gratuity shake or something after that. And he goes, you know, he walks off, and I'm going, this is like the most terrible experience. Oh, God, forgive me if this has ever happened to anybody on my watch. And, and I looked down at the end of our row, and there was a young girl, probably about 21, with a baby. And she was going, hi. And I go, I go, hey, how are you doing? She goes, great. And I go, I'm Neil. What's your name? And she told me her name. I said, well, how long have you been attending? She goes, this is my first time. And the person who was the friendliest was a guest. Help me, Jesus. I, I, I had no idea that, that it could be that challenging and that scary and that frustrating and that confusing that the people of God themselves have no idea. They're actually keeping people away and don't know. I'm not saying that this is church. I felt more welcome than I felt in walk time. I mean, I, it's great to, you people are sweet people. I know why Jesus loves you. Yeah. God has a place at his table, but the seat that we were, we are seated as not a table to eat at, but it's a table to receive instruction and assignment. And everyone here is on assignment. Here's what an assignment is. An assignment is a mission in which a person in the body of Christ is perfectly equipped to succeed in. God has already not just commissioned, He's already equipped you to have great effect. And all followers of Christ have a mission to some degree to fulfill God's uh, assignment and you need to be willing to assess yourself and to see what God might have to discover where He might want to speak through you and use you and extend His love through you to someone around you. And if that the case would be that God would use you to 
Bring them to be part of the family right here. If I were from another planet, I would have a couple of concerns. <laughs> One was, would be, what, what is this environment going to be like? You know, is the air breathable? Is there things to sustain life there? Uh, are, are things doable? That's, that's one. How, but the other one, what is, my, I, what is my assignment? What am I supposed to do there? Because I'll tell you what, if, if I showed up on another planet without an assignment, I'm just a freak show. I'm just an alien. But if I have a purpose, do you know you are an alien? <laughs> if you haven't figured that out, then you don't know you have a seat in the heavenly places, that this is not your home. And so, so one is, is, is how do I, what's my assignment and what are conditions am I going into? Can I communicate? Are, how do I communicate? How do I help people if I'm an alien? <laughs> I believe the most seasoned Christian understands their assignment, Matthew 20, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples, be involved, engaged, and touch people, but... What I've come to understand that where we have the biggest difficulty is where the conditions I'm going to be in. How do I communicate? How can I give them what I've learned and what I know they need? So here's this new and unusual assignment. Turn to Genesis chapter 24. And let me read this scripture as I move through this. Abraham and its story of Isaac and Rebekah. <clears throat> two key factors or individuals, Abraham, Isaac, and Rebekah, but there's this fourth individual that's not even named in this whole story, chapter 24, that is the key person that I want to talk about this morning because he is us. We are him. <laughs> and I'm not sure that's good English, but it worked back in my neighborhood, so it's all right. So here's what I, uh, Genesis 24 said. It says, Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, and that's you, and that's me. He told his senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, which was a deliberate, it was part of the covenant, that when a man would put that there, he is in sync with the covenant of God. And so he's making a covenant with him. And let me just tell you, body of Christ, this here, that whether you knew it or not, and the weight of this should settle down on us, you probably are the senior servants in Christ's household, and you are in charge of all things. You really are. <laughs> that, that's actually yours. The kingdom of God says this is yours, and you need to engage in it but I don't want to engage in it. And it's like a, you're, you're, you move from redeemed to servant of God, and you, God is calling you to be a part of that. And verse 3 says, I want you to bear or to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. In other words, Isaac, his son, had his name out on Farmers.com and this Canaanite, you know, man, those cotton farmers down there in Canaan, that's not who he's going to marry. Now, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, at this point, I'm thinking, think of everything about Abraham because he's a pretty big guy in the Bible, right? And the whole promise of seeing his children as the sand on the seashore and how grand it is, he leaves it to someone else for his son to find a wife. He delegates to his servant the responsibility for the vision of God to Abraham to be fulfilled in Isaac. He gives that role to his servant. How big a deal is that? And how big a deal is it that we're that servant? 
that the fulfillment of God's prophecy and his purpose and his plan through Abraham would be filled not through Isaac, but a servant that would help Isaac fulfill the call of God. And so, before I trip and fall, This servant of God, here's, here's number one, if there's points, here we go. Being God's servant isn't about doing more things, it's about doing the right things and doing them right. It's not getting busy, chapel. I was thinking, do you call them the chapel? Do you, do you call it chapel or chapel church? So I'm going to just call you chapel because we didn't have this discussion before. Y'all right with that? So it's not about doing more things. Take, take the towel out of your hand because God is about to birth something here and I'm asking you to take a seat with the Lord knowing that God is about to breathe in this place in such a sweet and wonderful way but it takes his servants understanding their unusual assignment and a new assignment that it's not about getting busy busy I saw a bumper sticker on a car and it said quick Jesus is coming everybody look busy so, and you know, that, that's the idea. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't do the right thing. Put the energy on the right thing so you can have the right results in it because you are the servants of God and you are in charge of his household of things. What if God says, I need you to step this way? A couple of things that qualified this servant, Abraham's senior servant, was uh, first, the Bible says here that the man was the oldest servant in his household. And understand this, it was not that this servant outlived all the other servants, but he outdid all the other servants. That's how he became the oldest oldest servant of the house. He didn't just outlive them, he outdid them. And he wasn't out just to outdo them, he did the right things the right way. He did them as Abraham would do it. That's how Abraham could trust him to do this incredible thing toward the end of his life. And this little statement is, how you handle the things that belong to others now will determine what you can be trusted to handle later. There's not one simple thing that you're doing right now and one simple task that God is setting you up to be trusted to bring His promises true somewhere else. And here's this servant. He outlived. Not, uh, he, he didn't just outlive, he outdid. Genesis chapter 3 and 4, I just read that. And it says you, you, you need to, to get a, a broad understanding of the amazing reality of the Scripture and the unusual assignment that Abraham was given as servant. servant. The promise of God, uh, the promise God gave Abraham would only come through, not only through Isaac, but it would only come through the servant first. Abraham had confidence in a servant taking on this assignment because he had succeeded taking on every assignment before. Now listen, okay, listen, body of Christ, chapel, God chapel. You've been found faithful. One of the things, faithful, that's one of the words God gave me for this. Jesus is faithful. Do you know what faithfulness is? You've been Obedient to do what's been assigned to you. And this is why I think this church is pregnant. Because he's going to be able to trust you with what he wants to do and fulfilling what he said he would do. I don't know the words that's been prayed over this place and spoken over this place, but I do believe they're still true and God is wanting to make them happen. You need to get this understanding that Abraham had confidence in his servant just like God has confidence in you as his servant in taking on this assignment because he succeeded taking on every assignment before and he completed them. Number two on this is being God's servant isn't about pushing back but pushing through. And when in verse 5 there it says the servant asked him, he, it could look like because one of the challenges when God starts to mobilize and move in our lives 
uh, we, we just kind of withdraw because, you know, you can't talk back to God, but this servant did. But he didn't talk back because he didn't want the assignment. He talked back because he wanted clarity. And there's a difference. And, and God wants to bring clarity, but you have to ask questions. The servants asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Verse 6, make sure that you, you do not take my son back there. And I, I think in this specific thing, if we're typology or trying to cross over and see the connectedness between evangelism and you as a church and how God wants to do this, in specific cases goes, this is your Jerusalem. You stay in this area and see what God wants to do. Matter of fact, I remember I preached for this church before, 1997. I was in a high school. I don't know how many of you were there. And uh, I, I remember going, God, let something happen in this church. And then when John said, I got a building, I've got, we've got property, we've got this, I'm going, man, God is doing what he promised. It's so fun to come back and see that, but shall I take your son back? And he says in verse 6, make sure that you do not take my son back there. Abraham said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, who spoke to me and promised me on an oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. And he, he just say, no, you're, you're not leaving. This is the promise. This is the promise God gave him. God gave me a promise, and you're going to fulfill it. Don't find him a woman in Canaan. I don't want those cotton-growing women over there. I, I, I want one from my lineage, my people. I want my promise to come through the lineage and the people that God has promised me, people that he is giving us. And I'm assigning this to you, servant of God. I'm assigning you to go into an area and fulfill the word of God that God has already given. In verse 8, if a woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do, do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master and Abraham and swore an oath. And it was, it was a done deal. Ten years ago, I, uh, not ten years, I was youth pastor for ten years and struggled at the end of this ten years trying to figure out my assignment because it was a restless and the confusion going on, I actually thought I was going to do youth pastoring forever. I loved it. There wasn't a day I didn't love about it. It was exciting, but there was a change in assignment on me. I didn't know if I was going to go, you know, go on staff somewhere, go back to college and get my master's, or doing this or doing that. But I, I, I went to McBride's Canyon, which is north of Amarillo, a small little canyon. And I had, once a year, I would go down there and I'd fast and I'd pray and this particular time I went is September of 1989. And, and I was, uh, went down in the canyon. I started praying. And I fasted. And I just, it was a long fast. I'm glad I have both my arms still today. <laughs> I, I, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And as I was praying, I got nothing but hungry. And I'm just telling you. For seven days, I got hungry, and I didn't get one word from God. It was about time for me to leave, and I said, God, you got about 15 minutes, and I'm packing up. i got to go. I don't know why, why we spent this whole time, because nothing happened. And I sat down, I sat in the chair, and I said, God, please talk to me. And immediately, he gave me a picture in my mind, and I'm sitting on my dad's lap, and, and we're on a tractor, and he's driving the tractor, and I'm, you know, little think I'm driving the thing and not driving. And in the next picture, I'm older, and I've got to hold the steering wheel, and I, I'm, it's like I'm actually thinking I'm driving it, but he's got his hands down here doing the dad thing, you know. And the next picture, it goes to me sitting in my dad's life, and I am driving it, but his hands are off. I'm driving, but we don't go very far. The next picture is about six sequences, seven sequences. And the picture is I'm on the tractor and I'm driving it, just not very far, but I know I'm taking it down the road a little. Next picture, I'm a little older, and my dad goes, you need to plant in that field right there. You need to plow that up. And so I, I go on assignment. The next picture I have, I'm older. I'm probably 17 years old. I walk in the house. 
He's sitting at the table. And I go, where do you want me to go? He goes, why don't you do the North property today? And all of this was my uncle's ranch. He had farmland, north, south, east, west. He had it all over. And that was the picture I was getting. So I said, okay. The last picture I had, all this took place in about 30 seconds. The last picture I had, I'm about 21. I walk in. I said, well, what do you think? He goes, you know how to farm. Go farm. And I go, what? He goes, this is what you do. Go farm. I go, well, where? He goes, where's the best place to farm? You're a farmer. This is what you do. And I go, well, I'd, I'd like to have the most effect. And he goes, go do it. And that's why I planted the church of Fair. That's how that church got planted, because I'm a farmer. On Jesus.com. <laughs> the assignment was that I, I was to go, you, you do this. Hey, hey, chapel, you do this. This is who you are. You're, you're on assignment. And God may not be sending you signals, you know. He, he, he might be going, you're a farmer. Do what farmers do. I'm not, I'm not sending you out anymore. You are sent out. You're on assignment. The mission's clear. Just go to it. I read this morning, one commentator just said, he goes, there's no, prayer's no replacement for action. And so engage and see what God has and what he's doing. And, and uh, I'm... Let me go to Genesis chapter 24, 15, and let me read these scriptures. Before he had finished praying, because what happened was this servant went out. He goes, God, please help me. God, you've got to show up. I, I'm on assignment. I'm supposed to find my master's wife. Help me. And he says in verse 15, he says, before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. He was, she was the daughter of Bethuel and son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. Verse 17, the servant hurried to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. Now I'm telling you. Verse 18, drink, my Lord. And she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him drink. And, and I'm telling you, this is, this is super lady. Because what happens <laughs> in verse 22, it says, when the camel said, she, she, she says, you know what? Not only am I going to give you water, I'm going to let your camels have water too. Camels weigh anywhere between 1,300 and 2,200 pounds. They can drink 144 liters, around 30 gallons in 10 minutes. Not only was this lady beautiful, but she probably packed, you know, some guns. Because she was going, I'm going to take care of all your camels until they're, they're not thirsty anymore. I had a friend who goes, you know how I found my wife? I go, no. He goes, I made sure she had let me open the door for her because I want her to know she's that important. And then I made sure she would unlock my door. To let me know I'm that important. And he said, I, I found girls that would like me open the door, but she wouldn't reach over and unlock my door just out of loving me, caring for me. And I found girls who thought they deserved the door to be open, but and he says, and he found an incredible wife. He goes, That was my that was my means of finding my wife. Would she let me treat her like a queen? And would she care for me enough to unlock my door might be a secret y'all I don't know that's out there but <clears throat> here's this lady she's not a poor lady if you study about her she's actually probably somewhat of a princess but she knew how to work and she pours the ca uh, camel's water and she, this servant just going thank you 
and he hands her a nose ring, which I'm not sure that would be your going, thank you very much. But it was uh, one-fifth of an ounce of gold. So it's about, gold is about 1300 It was about $280. And then two bracelets that weighed a certain amount, which was about $5,000 worth of gold is what she got. Thank you very much for the fill-up. <laughs> you know, here you go. Uh, <clears throat> he gives her that. And here, here's the picture I, I want you to understand that I think God might be changing the method of bringing people to Christ. And it is this. And this method was this. And it, it, it's, let me just give you a third one because four is going to throw you away. Being, out of, being God's servant is learning that direct prayers up so you can see God's answers come out. Learn to pray up so God's answers can come out. And this is when she came in. The fourth part here is meet people's kindness with generosity. Do you know what? It's real possible kind people, you might run into more kind people than bad people, mad people, hurt people, angry people that would receive Christ. But she was a kind person. He met her back with generosity. He didn't know if she was the one. He gave her the ring. He gave her, he gave her the bracelets before he ever found out who she was. But it's an incredible thing. I, when I was praying, I feel like for this church, is that you might need to get ready to meet kindness with generosity. And it might be your greatest strategy for evangelism that we've ever known. We're so used to making the front door people who are hurt, broken, and, and you know having a horrible life. It may be that kind people might be your next generation in here. And it was this these people that that he he looks at this girl and she uh, tells him who who she is and where she's from. And I want you to just look at this last scripture and then then I'll close it here. This is in verse sixty two. I want you to see what happens when the servant obeys his master. And goes after it. And here's what he says. Verse 62. Now Isaac had come from Ber Lahoy Roy. And that, that actually just means uh, water. Uh, a fountain of water. Reflection that can be reflected. And for he was living in Negev. And that, that means parched. He was between being full and empty. Full and empty is this picture. But it says he went out from the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw the camels approaching. Now, this is when the music gets really good, y'all, in the movie. The, the light is just right. You see this glistening. His face kind of goes, hmm. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Verse 64, Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? So he's our reaction. Let's, let's pull it back, though, to you being the servant and Rebecca being the lost person and Jesus being Isaac. And she goes, who's that man coming toward me? Because as you engage in this, as this church becomes active in this, meeting kind people with generosity, something takes place. She goes, who's, who's that guy coming toward me? He said, that's, that's my master. That's my master. This is God been telling me about. This is, this is who I've been telling you. And I want you to know. And he says, man, they met. It was on. It's all good, and a relationship is on, but God is wanting to fulfill His purpose of His heaven sin, your assignment in heaven on this earth. Father, I thank You today for Your goodness and Your grace. I thank You for what You're going to do in this house and what You want to say through the people here. Lord, I think there's a new stand of assignment for this church, and it may be a new move of God that we're unfamiliar with, and that is meeting people with kindness, with generosity. That not realizing that you are actually prompting them to look for you. And we are the gatekeeper of that. 
I pray for men and women here that may have worked around people for years, but they've never had an encounter to talk to people before. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts that there's something going on. I, I just pray that God today, somebody, a neighbor will speak over the fence and it'll remind us this person is actually prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask to meet my God, my Master. Lord, someone that's just kind down the street that opens the door for someone and there's an opportunity to say, God, is this, is this my moment? Is this what you're saying and doing? And I pray right now over this church, I pray for the chapel today, God, that you're going to speak in such a powerful way. You're going to demonstrate your love and your goodness. You're going to impact people because of that. I thank you for this community. I thank you for the people and the assignment this church has. It is becoming an incredible, new, and unusual call and assignment. But this church has been called to do it. It is in their DNA, and you have a purpose for them. And I give you all the thanks in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Burum. I think it goes without saying that um, we're just extremely honored and blessed by the words today that that you've shared with us and that you've brought with us, with you today for us. Um, God's blessed us today, hasn't he? We're so blessed. We're so blessed. I think um, when somebody calls me a servant and when somebody um, um, reminds me of my role in the kingdom of God, my res- the responsibility begins to weigh on me. And I start to understand what God would have next for me. And, and so I'm so thankful today um, for, for the words that have brought responsibility to, the, to, to our front doorstep today. For, for the words of Pastor Burum, but also the word of the Lord that has reminded us of our responsibility and our calling here to Keller, Texas. It's a good thing, isn't it? Now as we progress forward, um, God's given us an opportunity. And the opportunity is to give. And that, that opportunity in and of itself is a blessing, isn't it? It's a joy and it's a privilege to give to God and to respond to what he's saying to us through, um, through our offerings of, of, of our life, of what, um, of what we would have to give to God. He's after your heart today. So whatever it is that God would have you give in order to give your heart more fully to him, ask God what that is and give it today. Let's pray right now that God makes us aware of what it is that he would have us give to him. Let's pray today. Lord, we ask that you would bless our offering. But Lord, also help us to identify it. God, if that's a money amount, Lord, if that's a, if that's a, 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 a piece of time, God, if that's a relationship that you need, God, show us how to be obedient today in the next moments to you, to you, Lord. We offer ourselves to you. God, we're so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. God, we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. As we take up our morning uh, tithes and offerings, if you would direct your attention to the morning announcements.